Hi, I'm Jake. I'm Travis. And I'm Brandon. And you're listening to the Lake of Rage Radio, your stop for discussions on all things Pokemon. On this podcast, we'll discuss a variety of things Pokemon, including the TCG, the anime, VGC, Smog and Tearing, Pokemon Lore Bits, and the latest news. As for this week's news, in the video games department, your chance to pick up Mega Stones for Pokemon Sun and Moon ends Tuesday, October 31st. So if you haven't redeemed your codes yet, it might be time to do so. Also, a quick reminder to pick up your Savali codes before November 13th, which are available at GameStop in the United States and EB Games in Canada and Australia. On Thursday, November 2nd, more information will be released on Pokemon Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon. This is noteworthy, as this is the first time we have an info drop for Pokemon Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon that the Pokemon Company has given us prior notice of. In the TCG news, the next Pokemon TCG expansion, Crimson Invasion, will release on November 3rd in the U.S., and will introduce Ultra Beasts to the TCG, as well as make Savali GX legal for tournament play. As for the anime, the upcoming Pokemon movie 20, I Choose You, will air in North America on Disney XD on November 25th at 10am Eastern Standard Time. Uh, for our main topic today, we're going to be telling y'all a little bit about ourselves, uh, starting out with, what's our history on Pokemon? Uh, for me, I started when I was a kid, when I was six, Pokemon Red first came out. I got it for my birthday, started playing it, and I've just been playing ever since. Moved into competitive battling for a little while and fell in and out of it as new games came out. And I'm back here now looking forward to Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon. Yeah. Uh, I started off uh, with Pokemon uh, as the anime, as a lot of kids did back uh, when Red and Blue Era first came out and when Pokemon first came to America. Um, and I followed the games off and on uh, throughout high school and stuff. And then uh, in high school, uh, Brandon actually got me into competitive battling during Gen 4, um, where I played a lot of OU and uh, continued to battle through 5th Gen, but kind of fell off of it during 6th Gen. Uh, and trying to get back into that and getting back into the swing of things for, for Pokemon. Brandon? Uh, I started kind of the same way watching the show i played the cards in as much as most kids played the cards which was collect the cool ones <laughs> um i really wasn't able to play the games at all until i got sapphire version for christmas one year and picked up some of the older versions so i picked up a crystal and a red not too long after and i've kind of been playing just casually since then and then um a, lo a while ago maybe eight years ago now, I found the program Shoddy Battle, which was kind of the predecessor to the current uh, Pokemon Showdown, and just enjoyed playing that online with friends, kind of grew into the community a little bit. Uh, haven't been super involved for a while, but looking to get back into it and see where things go from there. Yeah, awesome. Uh, let's follow that right up with what our favorite Pokemon is. Uh, I know mine is Porygon 2. I, as a kid, always loved Porygon in the first games. I loved that it was the prize that you got for either having a bunch of money or getting really lucky at the slots. And then I absolutely loved what they did with it with Porygon 2, made it just round, kept that it's a duck, and just <laughs> love playing it in general. I like that it's a viable Pokemon competitively, it's just a great Pokemon overall. Yeah. Jake? Uh, for me, uh, it's Umbreon. 
um, which uh, happened back when I was playing uh, Pokemon Silver version as a kid. And the first time uh, that you're, you know, it's nighttime, staying up late at night, using like the flashlight on your old Game Boy, right? Um, and uh, my EV evolved into an Umbreon, and I was very confused as to why that happened. And when I eventually found out that it was because like Umbreon like like your EV liked you, I was like, oh, you're my friend too, and that just like super endeared me to that Pokemon. Um, and I've used it on a lot of teams since then. Not always necessarily the most effective Pokemon on teams, competitively speaking, but you know. You gotta, you gotta try to force yourself to use your favorites. As for me, um, it's probably Milotic, which is more probably mostly a result of how hard it was to get a Feebas uh, back with the original release of Emerald, and Sapphire, and Ruby. God, where it would only spawn on three particular tiles of all of Route One Nineteen. Which meant that you had to do a lot of fishing to try and find it. And sometimes if you just wound up fishing through the whole thing, couldn't find it, you had to go and retry again because maybe you missed it. If I'm not mistaken, and Route 119 is like gigantic too, right? It is a pretty large route. The river doesn't take up the entirety of the route, but it takes up the upper upper half of it. Mm -hmm. um, but like, it's a lot of work to get uh, finally get a Feebas and then to get it to evolve at that point in time before we had the prison scale. You had to take all of the dry berries that you could get and try and make a bunch of Poke Blocks that had to be potent enough to max out its beauty stat before getting it too full on Poke Blocks. So there was like a hard time getting it, and then there was also a lot of work that went into evolving it. And it's just kind of cool to me. It was always cool that it was the kind of like the ugly duckling, but as a fish, it had the same parallels to Gyarados in the sense that its stats are always just shuffled around. And Feebas is reminiscent of a Magikarp in that sense. So I'm actually kind of ignorant as to Pokeblocks. Um, did was there a way for you to make them like not full on Pokeblocks again, or once they were full on Pokeblocks, it was just done? Pretty sure it was just once you were full, you were done. You couldn't keep force feeding them anymore. Jeez. So you had to try and use the highest quality berries. Otherwise, like if you started just like using Oran berries or the common stuff, you wouldn't get enough stats for the amount of feeding that you were doing. Mm. And then I can't remember, was there a bear, or was there a Pokeblock making minigame in that one, or am I thinking of Poffins? It wasn't really a minigame, no. It was just, uh, you walked up to a little machine inside of the uh, contest centers and just threw a bunch of berries in it. It would do a little animation, but there was no real game to it. Yeah. Uh, moving on from there, uh, what's everyone's favorite region? If you asked me a year ago, I would have said Kanto, but I've really come to love the Alola region. I like that all of the characters in it feel fleshed out. I really appreciate that it feels like a lived-in region. Like, it feels like it's got its own story. It feels different and unique with the island challenge system. I also like that each of the islands is kind of like its own little ecosystem, as it were. Like, no two of them is the same. It feels more realistic than, here's the ice area of the Johto region. Here's the hot area of the Hoenn region. Instead, it's like, here's this island. It's got its own specific type of habitats. And I will say they blend into each other really well, too. Like, it's not, like, just really stark contrast of, like, region to region. Like, they slowly work into it, which is really cool. Yeah, it never feels like it's, oh, I'm coming out of a cave and it's completely different here. Mm -hmm. My favorite region has uh, always been the Johto region since I got my hands on the Pokemon Silver version, uh, which was my second game. 
that I ever played. I started with yellow version. Um, and I don't really know 100% what it is, and maybe it's just because I played the games to death growing up, and, like, I just know it, like, the back of my hand, but it just kind of weirdly, like, whenever I boot up, like, for instance, on the uh, Nintendo eShop, like, the, the silver version, like, I feel like I'm going home in a weird sense. Uh, like, something definitely about, like, um, the packaged deal of, like, the Kanto region with the Johto region definitely probably has something to do with it, because, like, um, there's like some level of nostalgia with going back to Kanto um, and uh, on top of that just like the design changes that were made to Kanto I always really enjoyed um, as for like the Johto region just itself um, I've always been a big fan of the uh, like the bug catching contest and just like the, the small town feel of it for like most of it how it just feels super 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 uh, like out there uh, as far as like in the country kind of a thing like all small villages for the most part and there's like a lot of lore and that like all the people are just kind of interconnected feels like goldenrod city is almost just kind of like uh this really standalone place um because it's like where like the bullet train connects goldenrod to kanto um i just think that's kind of neat i kind of have a hard time with this one in a sense i think that i would still say that my favorite region is the hoenn um, but for a lot of those reasons, which I'll get into in a moment, Alola also fulfills them. The reason I like Hoenn the most is not necessarily just because it was the first game I played, but some of the area designs are vastly different than what we've seen in other Pokemon games. Mm-hmm. Um, primarily, like, Saltop- Saltopolis City is a city inside of a lake inside of a volcano or a city i guess around a lake um that you can only get to through dive i like the dive mechanic i really like being able to explore underwater i know that maybe not everyone does but i found it to be quite fun um the different routes all felt it feels very localized where there's no like extremes for like weather and climate that don't like link directly to the area next to them, the biggest maybe offender to that would be the desert. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But some of the places in Pokemon Ruby and Sapphire just stick with me as being very well designed, like Pacifolog Town. It's kind of reminiscent now to um, uh, shoot. What's the name of the island? Pony Island. Yeah, the entrance to Pony Island. Yeah, the entrance to Pony Island. Uh, some of these designs are reminiscent and brought back up in the new games, which is why I think that they also hold a cool spot. Um, but really, it's just was kind of the first time that Nintendo started playing around with the different concepts. You have the cave, which depending on which time of the day you enter, is either going to be flooded or dried out because of the tides. Um, the constant rainy routes, tall grass, all the different things that are just varied on route to route. And all kind of feel like they mesh together into one big, well-designed region. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree. Hoenn's got like there's there's the big there's the big debate, you know, whether or not uh, it's bad that Hoenn makes you use all the HMs or not to get around, or if it's cool. And I think that it really works for Hoenn's design-wise, just because like Hoenn feels much more like an exploration of like vast wilderness versus like maybe the two predecessor games did. And it really feels like they were willing to push the envelope on that a little bit with like everything involved with what they would have had to do to get dive working the way it did while still having a manageable route above the 
underwater areas. Mm-hmm. One thing I actually did like too is um, once you got uh, waterfall, there were so much places from earlier roads that you could then go back to and hit up new Pokemon, new items. Like it kind of opened up some prior areas, which they did again. They followed that up with the use of rock climb in black and white, and kind of they toyed around with the designs even further later. But I think it was just a good starting jumping off point for their really world design, which is why it just kind of solidified itself as a good marker for me. Yeah, like, for for all I love of Kanto and Johto, they are very linear designs, and they are very, like, as, as Travis said, like, this area is the ice area, like, the, the ice path, right, that goes right before uh, Blackthorn City and connects uh, Mahogany Town to Blackthorn City. It's just, this is a icy cave, that's it. Around it, is it really icy? Not really. Like, the trees are a little bit more sparse, so it feels maybe a little bit more alpine, but, like, yeah. Like, uh, I feel like Hoenn definitely did a a really good job of, like, doing that. I will say that, like, honestly, if I was going to go based on just design of region and not, like, just the games as a whole, like, the Johto region, like, for all it means to me, I would definitely say the Alola region region on just design would be my favorite, because it's just designed so well, like, ecologically speaking, like, it's it's very well designed, and the characters are lovable. Yeah, I can definitely agree with that. Definitely. Uh, So, tying in, kind of, to favorite region, in a sense, what's your favorite gym, and, like, how it's designed, how it felt to go through it? Uh, I know for me, it was, I'm trying to remember the name of it, the Ice Gym in Snowbell City. Ice and Y. Snowbell City's Gym, yeah. I really like how they played with the, like, rotating the different parts of the gym. It felt like they were really trying to make good use of the 3D on the 3DS and the more powerful hardware from Black and White. Uh, personally, I kind of didn't like that gym because I got halfway through the gym and realized I didn't have any potions. <laughs> and getting out is a nightmare. And getting out is a nightmare and a half. Like, it is really, I don't know why. It seemed like it was way easier to get to where I was than to get back out. Because, um, yeah, I didn't want to just go and faint. I'd rather just, like, back out, grab my items, come back in, and carry on. I don't think you can escape rope out of there either, can you? You no, cannot. I don't think no, so. No, yeah. And so you just kind of like, well, try to get it back. You have to find someone to get fainted. Yeah. I've... Yeah, it was the choice of go for the wipe and or try and figure out how to get back out. And... Oh, that was just not fun. No. Uh, that Was that one that where you used... No, that wasn't one of the ones where you used the the roller skates. I thought like maybe there was like a roller skate there or back, but no, like the the bridge closes up over the top of it. Yeah, it closes the bridge up and kind of rotates all the platforms out into just kind of disjointed spots and looks pretty cool on the way out. Yeah, it's cool and geometric. Like, my favorite gym uh, is the Veerbank City gym, which is, like, the exact opposite of pretty much the reason everybody loves their gyms is usually, like, oh, I like the puzzle involved with it. Because for the Veerbank City gym and Pokemon Black and White 2, the puzzle is you walk in the front of the gym, uh, you walk down the stairs, and then you go into the bar and then uh, on the stage is your gym leader and there's no gym trainers you have to battle like all the gym trainers are optional battles before you battle uh roxy but like i just love it because it's like like the veerbank city in general is just kind of like a really industrial town on a harbor 
it's just kind of like the seedy little bar where you like go down into a basement and like there's a bunch of neon lights everything looks really grungy um it's just like this little rock club there's like a bar in the corner of it and there's a dj in the other corner and then there's just right there is the stage and it's like this is just like where they do like small time music there's um when you first enter there's a poster for a singer who's uh looking for a band like hey yo i'm a singer who needs a band like meet me up and there's like little pull tags on the bottom of it for people to take stuff like that uh there's like trash in the front of it and it's just like altogether super cool um I, that, I just love it like it's very simple but it just hits me from an aesthetic sense that i really really appreciate uh mine it took me a while to really think of this one uh i think it's probably actually Snowpoint city from Sinnoh, which if you don't remember is the gym that candace runs where it's a big slidey ice floor and there's different snowballs and snow pads like you can hit to stop or hit to push with and I, I, in general, I just enjoyed the puzzle aspects of gyms, and I kind of enjoyed the movement-based puzzles more than the flip a switch and it opens up a new path style. Um, mostly because, as I mentioned before, like if I ever wanted to back out, those ones usually were far easier to leave to heal, and then the ones where I'd have to be flipping switches and stuff. Mm -hmm. You kind of can trap yourself in the middle, and it can make it more of a chore to really get in and out of a gym and try and like prep your way through it. But I kind of just really like the mechanics of the way that they use ice or sliding in the game. I also did really enjoy uh, Wallace's gym in Hoenn, particularly the remakes of Omega Ruby and Alpha Sapphire, where you have to step on the floors, you can't step on the same tile twice, otherwise it'll break and you can't get out unless you've stepped on every tile. Um, I want to yeah. say like looking at um, Candace's gym, like I, I pulled it up here just to look at it again, like it is like a 3d version of prices gym from uh mahogany town and johto like looking at it but like there's more, obviously more aspects to it um and i really like it i for completely forgot about this i guess i haven't played gen 4 in a really long time but yeah it's a really cool design uh so as we all mentioned before when we were introducing ourselves we all either play or have played pokemon competitively at some point so uh, what's everyone's favorite uh, format to play, and how do you like to play that format? Uh, I know that I enjoy playing OU, and I kind of pull from the standard by playing kind of goofy teams. Like, uh, I play Trick Room a lot, just because it lets me run some of my favorite Pokemon, Porygon, it lets me get away with running uh, Breloom, and a few others. Uh, otherwise, I like just the kind of goofy off-the-wall stuff I played gravity teams for a little while uh played hail teams for a little bit just kind of mixing and mashing different field types all together yeah uh i mean i used to play like for fourth gen and fifth gen especially a little bit during sixth gen i played a lot of ou like that was and like i like to play very attrition based strategies where like i'm slow grinding out my opponent but um coming back into gen 7 ou like i haven't really been enjoying it too much like i don't really like how the the format plays um, so I might be trying to jump into UU, or I honestly think I'm probably going to try to get into VGC more. Uh, and I don't know exactly how well, like, slow, grindy strategies are going to work in VGC. So, like, working around that or trying to figure out, like, a new play style is going to be interesting at the very least. Yeah, on my end, um, 
The format I most enjoy playing is the v the VGC style. Um, I wasn't really into it at first, but I really enjoy like watching the streams. I really like playing it on uh, Showdown, or if there's an event I can go to, it's just always fun. Um, I like the way that like you can kind of metagame in a sense, where you have like different cores within the same team that you can kind of pick which half you're going with. It's not always like the best plan. It's probably generally not, but I feel like there's a lot more play to having weirder moves on your Pokemon. Like recently I've fallen in love with a Clef with a uh, Evil Light Clefairy that uses Follow Me and just lets you set up your like partner Pokemon or whatever um, because Clefairy has the uh, hidden ability of friend guard which reduces all damage that we dealt to allies by 25 percent so there's just a lot of weird pokemon that you can get played that can get played in this in a vgc that can't really see play in ou or any of the other smog in 1v1 formats mm -hmm. because there's a lot more synergy of pairing pokemon together than just pairing them off yeah it's also a really cool format because isn't it bring six pick four for the match so you can kind of try and like there's yeah. a metagame behind like trying to figure out which of your opponent's six Pokemon they're going to bring into the game and trying to bring the Pokemon that'll counter those. I do find predicting to be the like most fun like the prediction games and like that kind of mind games to be the most fun of like any uh, competitive format so like that aspect of VGC is what really draws me to it myself Yeah I would definitely say that those are two of the main reasons I enjoy it So I guess in, in like conjunction with competitive like just do you guys prefer megas or z moves like it's the it's the classic question here i'm gonna go ahead and go and admit like first and foremost i hated z moves at first i'm a little bit less like hate on them now but i definitely prefer megas i just like if i was going to choose to put more z moves or more megas in future generations i'd always choose megas just because it diversifies the format more because whenever megas are legal like people are going to run a mega almost guaranteed and having more of them means like more diverse teams and diversity in teams makes for a funner format but you know what do you guys think uh from my end it's kind of weird um from a play point i would say that i like megas more but i don't actually generally i don't even play with the megas or z moves too often just on a personal standpoint mm. like i i really like the idea of not being locked into a specific thing and i feel like having these in the game says one of your pokemon hat probably has to do this it has to mega evolve or it has to use a z move and it feels a little weird to me it feels kind of on um I suppose a little disingenuous into the style of being able to play how you want to play mm -hmm. when it incentivizes you so much to do one thing or the other. Um, that said, if I had to pick one or the other to exist, I would probably prefer to keep the Megas over the Z-Moves. Um, I like Z-Moves as setting up like a Pokemon like you are going to have the super secret ace in the hole, but I don't like that you can't really play around them that well because they bypass protect and whatnot yeah that's kind of i don't know that felt really weird especially because like 
Protect is so important in VGC and like Pokemon. If they're going to be building for a format, you know, they're not obviously building for Smog and OU since it's a fan made format. Like they're building for VGC and having something that just cuts through Protects, I don't know, it feels weird. Uh, for me, I I really like the design space that Mega's brought us. That it's basically adding a new Pokemon into the game. Mm-hmm. Looking at something like. Uh, Sharpedo, there's different strategies surrounding when do you Mega Evolve it? Do you wait for the speed boost? Do you need it to be bigger right away? Uh, or something like Garchomp, where a lot of times you're not even going to want to use the Mega at all because it's slower. But with Z-moves, I really like them as an idea. But my problem with them is that in a battle, after you Mega Evolve, you stay Mega Evolved. Whereas if you use a Z-move and you have to switch, or they force you to switch, then your Z-move is gone. Like if you use a Z-move to set up and they hit you with a Whirlwind or a Roar, your Z-move is just gone and done. Your Pokemon is now just the same Pokemon, but it doesn't have an item. Yeah, like Z-Splash or something like that. If you they force you to switch. Yeah, like Z-Splash. I can actually kind of uh, see an argument here where like when you Mega Evolve, it's like you're getting a new Pokemon. But when you use a Z move, it's not so like it's not like you're really gaining anything. It's just that your opponent probably loses a Pokemon. So it's very strong in a competitive sense, but maybe from like the personal fun perspective, it isn't as great. Yeah, like I do also that's like pretty much that. I do also like it's the sh- fact that like Megas can make some Pokemon that have been like fan favorites for a long time and virtually competitively useless competitively viable like mega beedrill is a really good example of that like beedrill if somebody brought beedrill against me in like a competitive match in like ou or even vgc pre-mega like i would have laughed at them but like now if i see a beedrill i'm like okay that is a glass cannon that that is probably going to take out one of my mons like that's a strong pokemon and i just think that's that's kind of cool specifically it even brought back two of the three kanto starters as being very strong uh, pokemon to choose yeah uh I miss you, Blastoise. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I will say, Mega Venusaur is, uh, oh my god, it's it's so fat. It just sits there, and it just takes attacks, and it just leech seeds, and then it stays alive forever. And like I said, there's probably some people who are listening to this right now who are like, oh my god, I hate you. I really, really like slow grindy strategies where I just like, like, you're not getting through my wall, and I'm slow draining you out of HP, and I'm winning. So, like, Venusaur, I love you. Yeah, all in all, I'd say that Megas are probably my favorite. If they added more, like, Pokemon-specific Z-moves that did some cool stuff that didn't make it feel as, like, one-and-done or feel like you could be wasting your Z-move to use it at a wrong time, mm-hmm. then I might be leaning more towards Z-moves, but Megas are, like, a clear preference for me. Yeah, that's super fair. Uh, so on the discussion of what would we hope they add more... Uh, what do we hope they're going to be doing with Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon? Uh, did you want to start us out on this one, Brandon? Sure. Um, I'd really like them to capitalize on a lot of the things that made Pokemon Sun and Moon really well. I'd like to focus on story. Mm-hmm. One thing I would like them to cut out a little bit is the... How, at the beginning of the game, it kind of drags its feet. It makes playing it through a second time rather difficult. There's a lot of long, unskippable cutscenes that I think they could tone back on. But having a good focus on the characters is something that I really enjoy. We've got a lot of other characters that, like, we've seen Team Rocket Grunts, we've seen 
uh, the Ultra Recon Squad. We've seen a couple different changes that are definitely happening, and I'd like to them to apply that same level of humanity and characterization to these entities that are being brought into the game. Uh, I'd like them to definitely expand some of the areas and maybe change it up a little bit. Not too much, but enough where you can kind of walk through every route and see what they did or didn't change. Mm-hmm. But the thing I think I want most is a Pokemon Emerald style Battle Frontier. Oh, please, where Game you have Freak. all of the style, like the, all the various rules and changes and whatnot that are done. So it's not just like some kind of Battle Tower scenario, which is the one that they seem to have stuck with, but like the Surviper, the Battle Pyramid. All those things were really fun to play with and try and figure out the rules and how to best approach them because you need to approach them with a different strategy than normal. And so I'd like to see that kind of stuff brought back. Even just more variety in like the way Platinum and Harkle to Silver did their their like post game, like just something more, please. And it does look like we're going to get a longer post game. Like we've gotten confirmation from Masuda, um, that like this is going to be a longer post game and everything like that, um, than we've had previously. Because I think well, X and Y post game was basically non-existent. Like the Looker missions happened, but like. You knock them out in 25 minutes max. Uh, they were a little bit longer in Sun and Moon, but really, they were not much. And honestly, they, like just the looker running into a room and yelling, like, oh no, in a different foreign language every single time, and then being like, oh, I'm sorry, I forgot what country I was in. Like, it stopped being funny after the second time. So, like, uh, and then they just give you a million dollars at the end. It's like, okay, cool, I guess. Shrug. Like, there was just more that I wish they did with that, especially because of how good Sun and Moon was. But it feels like it might have been a little little rushed. Uh, yeah, I pretty much agree with both of those points. I, When I went to go play through the games a second time, I did it because I felt like I was at the end of the game, there just wasn't anything else to do other than run through the battle tree over and over and over. But when I went to go start a new game, I felt like almost kind of like I was being punished for having beat the game in the first place because there wasn't anything to do at the end of the game. Mm-hmm. And then going back to play it again takes so long to get to the point in the middle of the game where it's really enjoyable and it feels like it's all flowing together. And it's kind of moving at whatever pace you want to set it at rather than what the game forces you to. Yeah, I suppose the beginning of the game can feel a little railroady in a sense. And near the middle of the game is where you have a lot more freedom of choice as your player skippable cutscenes like i feel like that'd be the best thing they could possibly do here is just be like if the game has like understands that you have beaten this game before and you have restarted the game there should be an option for skippable cutscenes like press the x button or the the two trigger buttons or something like that press certain buttons to get through the cutscene or at least speed it up in some way i don't know just to make it less of a drag because like the beginning part where I have to continually watch Lily run away from the Aether Foundation and then uh, Cosmog teleport them away and then like the whole sequence with the Spiro attacking Nebi and it's just like it gets so repetitive to try to replay the game and it's a really good game but I don't want to see it every time. Yeah, I wouldn't mind if they tied something like that into like some kind of a new game plus mode where maybe you could like carry over your Pokepelico once it was unlocked, or something kind of like the hard modes from the later DS games. Yeah, I was going to say, Black and White 2 had the like hard and easy mode options. It's an easy mode option like we really didn't need, but the hard mode option was really cool. Yeah, I do hope that they dabble in um, a New Game Plus style post-game 
like option. It adds a lot to the game without taking much away. Mm-hmm. Definitely. I guess I would say my biggest hope for Pokemon Ultra Sun and Moon falls in the same vein as Brandon's here, where it's <sighs> listen. We all love Guzma, but we didn't see enough Guzma. We didn't see Guzma interact with every single character. So what if Guzma interacted with every single character? And I am joking to an extent here, but like there was never any canon interaction between Guzma and Plumeria in the game at all, which felt really weird seeing as they were the two, you know, heads of the group. Uh, like seeing more character development with Guzma, because there's a lot of stuff thrown in there, like little Easter eggs, little tidbits where you're like, okay you're kind of throwing me a background story like getting more of that background story understanding more what's going on there like just his character was really interesting and really cool um and like just finding out like these are the big bad team skull oh wait maybe they're not as evil they're being you know manipulated by the aether foundation or more specifically lusamine or like stuff like that and going on and on and on it's 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 interesting and i want to see more of like just specifically him but also just in general all of these characters backgrounds because finding out more about all this cool stuff would just be i guess icing on an already pretty good cake so uh i think that about wraps us up for our first episode uh if you listeners have any suggestions for future episodes or just want to shoot us a message you can find us on Twitter at Lake of Rage Radio or email us at lakeofrageradio at gmail.com. And you can find us on both SoundCloud and YouTube on the channel Lake of Rage Radio. Uh, thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time.